This podcast is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. TD Ameritrade is reinventing how you invest. Whether you want to place a trade on Facebook Messenger or get market news from your smart speaker, TD Ameritrade has everything you need to invest on your terms. See what's new at tdameritrade.com innovation. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Thursday, August 16th, and we're talking about defense major earnings. I'm your host, Michael Douglas. I'm joined by Lou Whiteman. Lou, uh, it's your second time on the show. Uh, I think yes. this is my my third or fourth energy show. So, uh, you know, that means we're, you know, uh, I'd say about the same level of experience here, right? Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Lou, it's good to have you here. Um, and I, so I, what I'm thinking for today's uh, conversation, it'll sound a little bit similar to uh, our last two. You know, last week uh, we did at Midstreamers, and the week before that we did at Oil Majors. Is you know, we'll just talk kind of a little bit specifically about each company. Um, that's uh, uh, Lockheed, Raytheon, General Dynamics, and Northrop Grumman, and then we'll uh, kind of sum up with some some general thoughts and. Um, I'll ask Lou to pick his favorite of the companies, which I warned him about beforehand. So he is he is prepared. He's nodding. I want you to know. Um, so let's uh, let's let's hop right in. Let's talk about sure. Lockheed first. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for for listeners, so you know, uh, Lockheed's ticker is LM, like Michael T. LMT. Um, so <clears throat> generally speaking. I'd say a pretty good second quarter report. I mean, revenue was up 6% year over year. Earnings per share up 23%. Um, as certainly certainly folks who've listened to the financial show back when I was hosting that, you know, less than a month ago, um, will uh, we'll remember that we talked a lot about um, the tax laws impact on earnings. Certainly, that has been the case here. Income tax rate was down almost 11 percentage points to 18%. That's a huge driver of underlying profitability and something we'll be talking about with each of these companies a little bit. But uh, a lot of other insights to have here, Lou. What do you think? Yeah, no, you know, this is this was the quarter. The more I look at this quarter, the more I liked it. Yes, tax helped, but uh, Lockheed is by far the biggest of these companies. Uh, they it, this is a bad problem to have, but they are very dependent on the F-35. It's a, a more than a third of their revenue. That's the Joint Strike Fighter, and it's only ramping up now. What was really nice about this quarter was is that it, it really makes the case that there's more to Lockheed than this plane. Uh, hypersonics, uh, these faster than the speed of sound missiles. Uh, Sikorsky, their helicopter unit, is looking to ramp up. And uh, most importantly, CFO Bruce Tanner on the conference call basically said, look, we are winning more business than we budgeted for. They budget to maybe win 65% of the um, bids they put in. They are outperforming in a lot of different areas. And um, that's that's just great news for holders of the stock. That it, that was, this was a really impressive quarter for Lockheed in terms of setting them up for what comes next. Yeah, and and uh, you know the things that you pointed out. I mean, aeronautics, of course, is is their largest unit. It's forty percent of the total business, up eight percent year over year. A lot of that being F thirty five ramp up. Um, but then missile and fire control, right? And you talked about missiles yes. a little bit. I mean, up seventeen percent year over year. I mean, that's uh, that's the kind of numbers that makes a growth investor like me, uh, you know, give a give a company a second look. 
This is a trend, too. We're going to talk about this with a few other companies. Uh, the Pentagon has priorities. One of them is missile and most and almost more important than missile, missile defense. Uh, look no further than what's going on in North Korea. That's a Lockheed system that they're installing in Guam, the, the THAAD system. Uh, Lockheed also makes the actual missile on the Patriot missile, although we'll talk about that with another company, too. Uh, this is a business. This, this is just ramping up now. This is going to be a trend into the early part of the next decade where we are going to see demand not just from the U.S., but from U.S. allies as well. Uh, Lockheed estimated maybe $7 billion in extra potential funding from increased budgets over the coming years. And uh, a lot of that is missiles. And uh, they look, based on this quarter, uh, you got to like their chances of winning a lot of that business. Absolutely. And perhaps unsurprisingly, when you post good numbers and and have, let's say, good underlying drivers, they also raise guidance a little. So, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that's mm-hmm. uh, always preferable to the alternative. <laughs> and, and, and if anything, I, mean, I believe the revenue growth guidance is, is 5% or so. Uh, you know, they I, I wouldn't be surprised looking into 2019 and even into 2020. I would bet that's on the low side. You hate to go too high on an industrial, but uh, I I think that 5% growth in revenue, that's very, very beatable. Cool. Good stuff. All right, let's head on over to Raytheon. Um, So, uh, a fairly similar story. I mean, revenue was up, I think, 5.5% year over year. Earnings from uh, per share from consuming operations up 47%. Um, and you know, again, a sizable benefit from tax reform plus the tax benefits of they, they did a um, they're they're planning a sizable discretionary pension contribution, which comes with some tax benefits for them, which is going to kind of juice up earnings for them for a bit. Um, but but really, the standout number for me was bookings were up thirty three percent year over year. I mean, that's just wild. That's <laughs> that's, that's wonderful. Uh, and uh, that's space. And again, missiles. We're going to talk about missiles a lot with Raytheon. But uh, part of this is a, and again, this is a trend that's helping the industry. We've gone from sequestration where there wasn't a lot of funding to the Pentagon is now playing catch up with the uh, 2018 budget that was passed earlier this year. Uh, a lot of that money is flowing into areas where Raytheon specializes. And so, yeah, bookings, uh, looking again, this quarter was decent but looking ahead there's a lot to be excited about yeah and you know looking at um looking at Raytheon as a whole and, and folks who listened to uh the kind of general defense episode uh with Lou and Sarah uh you know it was like what maybe a month month and a half ago uh, will hear some of the same things that they talked about there it's inevitable when we're covering kind of the same businesses but you know um, it's interesting because Raytheon is kind of nearly divided nearly evenly divided across its four major business lines by revenue mm-hmm. um, so unlike mm-hmm. Lockheed which is really kind of concentrated in aeronautics uh, Raytheon's got um, you know fairly similar revenue contributions from each um, of course defense systems that's missiles yeah. s- you know 17% operating margin last quarter Biggest revenue uh, uh, contribution was the Patriot missile contract with Romania, uh, highlighting kind of that trend you were talking about there, Lou. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Raytheon is too. They're interesting. The four companies we're going to talk about, they are the specialists. They don't make the warships. They don't make the tanks. They don't make the uh, the F thirty five fighter. What they do is they do missiles. They do missile defense, and they do a lot of electronics and sensors that ends up on these programs. So they are they are really in the sweet spot for what the Pentagon is focused on right now, uh, which again I think is helping. They're booked to bill for the quarter, which is uh, you know how much is coming in, how much is going out. It was 1.3 times, and that's about the best I saw, and it, it, it really speaks well for the future. They hiked 
bookings, I think, by about a billion dollars. And again, if anything, uh, that might feel conservative, especially with some of these you mentioned, uh, Romania. There's there's international orders. Raytheon, more than any company, uh, is is very good at foreign sales, and that's partially because of what they sell. But uh, there's a lot of reason for optimism, again, going into 2019 with this company. Yeah. Well, and of course, Raytheon also pretty good at um, intelligence uh, work. Uh, of course, yes. that's basically all classified. So yeah. we don't really know much about it except that Raytheon bumped revenue by 8% and, and well, that's about it. So it's yeah, kind of hard to get a lot of insight yeah. there. But. Yeah, I would wager some of that too is platform work. The, some of that is the sensors and electronics and some of these other things. It isn't all just um, spying. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> right. but yeah, th- but um, but yeah, no, that's kind of a fun or not so fun thing about this industry. And we'll get to it with another company in a second. It's it, it, it's hard to get clarity sometimes because yeah, a lot of this stuff the customer doesn't want them to talk about. Right, understandably. Um, <laughs> so let's turn to General Dynamics. That's ticker symbol GD. Um, so one of the big standouts that you immediately notice about General Dynamics is that, you know, everybody else, you know, revenue up 5%, 6%. General Dynamics revenue was up 20%. Um, and of course, then all you have to do is kind of peel back one layer and say, oh, that was the CSRA buyout. Um, and so, you know, their organic defense biz rev is up about 7%. So that's sort of what happens when you net out uh, the benefit of a fairly sizable purchase. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this was – there wasn't the wow that there was another quarter for other companies, but there was a lot to look at here. You mentioned the CSRA deal. Uh, that is a government IT firm. And the interesting thing there is is that General Dynamics is basically doubling the uh, GDIT, they call it, their IT business at a time when Lockheed and some of the others have divested it completely. Uh, they are betting the other way. Uh, they are now – Probably the second largest by revenue. There's a specialist, uh, Lidos Holdings, that is bigger. But this is an area of the budget that was neglected during the budget wars. Uh, The Pentagon kept buying warplanes, but they didn't necessarily upgrade their IT systems. Uh, We federal discretionary spending is up six percent. This, who knows, long term. I I like the move, but the the move is questionable. We'll see what we think about it ten years down. But for the next. Next year or so, this is going to be a driver. All of these government IT firms should be strong for the next 12 to 18 months with the awards they're getting. Uh, GDIT is going to get a lot of that business because this is a business where scale matters and they, thanks to that deal, have scale. So in the short term, it's going to help results. Yeah, well, as with all things uh, here at The Fool, mm-hmm. I feel like we pretty much end up saying, well, you know, five, ten years from now, we'll really know. But eh, for the right. moment, here's what right. it looks like things right. are doing. Well, uh, well it, it is interesting, too, because they are going in a different direction. It's fun anytime, especially with these companies are, are a lot you know, alike. They, they, they serve one customer, so they have to be. But it's interesting. This is a real case where one company is going a different direction than their peers. So... You know, a lot of smart people disagree on this. It's, it's it's fun to watch it play out. Speaking of going different directions, let's also talk about Gulfstream a little bit. Um, yes. So, so <laughs> then that has been one of the big things holding General Dynamics back. Yes. This is an area that uh, Gulfstream is also different from the the peers I talk about. That They have a large commercial business, and that's the Gulfstream business jet business. That is a part of the company that uh, the whole industry has never really come back from the 2008-2009 recession. Uh, this stat from the industry trade group, I believe there were 1,300 business jet orders in 2008. There were only 661 
in 2016. So the industry's cut in half. Gulfstream has definitely followed that trend. Uh, we think that the tax law, the just general planes getting older, it, it feels like that's bottomed out. And after a really terrible first quarter where, again, book to bill was came in at like 0.7. So uh, they were shipping out more than they were bringing in. Book to bill jumped one to, to 1.3 times. Uh, Gulfstream, it's going to take a while. They have new products that are being certified now. So that's going to actually maybe hurt margins over the next few quarters if, they, if they're ramping on new products. But there is a sense that that business has bottomed, and if they can just get back up towards the numbers from a decade ago, that's really going to help General Dynamics because they've been in a penalty box because of Gulfstream. Right, um, and not just a, a stock price, uh, you know, from a stock price perspective, but also, frankly, operationally. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. So let's uh, let's turn finally uh, fourth fourth company, Northrop Grumman. That's uh, ticker symbol NOC. Um, you know, it was funny. So Lou and I were talking about this before the show, and we both sort of looked at it and said, eh, you know, there's not really that much interesting. I mean, sure, revenue is up 10%. You know, operating margin declined uh, a fair amount, but tax reform saved the day, so earnings climbed some as well. Um, you know, aerospace was up 11%. A lot of that was due to F-35s. Have you heard us talking about it, the F-35s? Yeah, well, it, it impacts Northrop Grumman as well. You know, um, but just not... I, it felt like sort of not as um, unique, perhaps, a story as the others. Yeah, no, this wasn't a bad quarter by any means, but this was certainly the least good quarter, if we're giving everyone a trophy. Um, <laughs> you know, they this is very much a company in transition. Uh, they did a very big deal. They bought Orbital ATK, which should help them with space. Space is a very important looking forward business. But right now, I mean, that was a $10 billion deal with debt. Uh there's a long transition, long integration that just is starting now. Uh, CEO Wes Bush, who was the architect of uh, a real transformation at North of Grumman and definitely the, the person behind this deal, he just announced he's leaving in, in January, which, again, it's January. He's staying on as chairman. It's not really a, uh-oh, something's wrong. But there's just a lot of moving parts here. Uh, as you said, without the uh, tax benefit, this wouldn't have been a standout quarter. Uh, they do have the most classified, most highest percentage of classified of any of these guys. So it's it's tough to read sometimes. Some of that, as you said, the aerospace F-35. They also have the B-21, mm-hmm. which is sort of their signature program. But that's early days. So that's that's low margin right now. And a lot of that is classified. There's nothing wrong with this company. But this is the least inspired of the of the four quarters we're talking about, without a doubt. Yeah. Well, and and of course, a lot of question marks because they've got this big integration, and of course, a CEO transition. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's mm-hmm. sort of how I personally am kind of approaching it right now. Yeah. This is the least least desirable of the four stocks, too, for that reason. You know, they're not they're not at a discount to the others. And again, this is a good company. There's a lot of good businesses. There's n- there's no reason to sell this company, but you kind of feel like it could just take a few quarters. While these are, we've talked about growth rates with the others, we're more talking about digestion and getting things together with Northrop. So it's it's the least inspired of the four right now, I'd say. Yeah. All right. So we'll turn to uh, some general trends, and then I'll ask Lou to pick his favorite of the bunch, and we'll talk through that a little bit. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. 
This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. You're always on the cutting edge of technology, and TD Ameritrade prides itself on being ahead of the curve, too. Their latest innovations put their resources and services on the popular platforms you carry and use every day. Now all you have to do is enable the TD Ameritrade skill for Amazon Alexa or message them on Facebook to stay on top of the markets. Learn more about their commitment to innovation at tdameritrade.com innovation. All right, so let's hop back in and talk kind of general trends or, you know, uh, or or put differently, perhaps some uh, some compare and contrast between them. So, um, you know, when you're looking at um, sort of Raytheon and Lockheed in particular, you know, one of the things that really jumps out is this this whole you know missile defense is big, and not only is it going to be big this year and next year, but you probably into the 2020s, and so yes. that really provides them with a long a long ramp and a lot of you know, stable business in a in a business that can sometimes be a little bit unstable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, or at least there's long lead times. Yeah. Right. No, I, th- I think that's definitely true. I mean, this this whole industry, I mean, it was it, we've we've had a big swing and then sort of a swing back. At the Budget Control Act of 2011, sequestration followed that. Funding was down. Post election, single party control of government. There's been there, there was a real exuberance that kind of was halted after first quarter earnings where investors started saying, wait, if we gotten ahead of ourselves, a real takeaway here for all of these companies, but especially the two you mentioned, Lockheed and Raytheon is, is that it, there's there, the sense of optimism is, is back where, you know, I don't know if these companies can grow another 50% in share price the way they have a couple of, in the last couple of years, some of them, but if nothing else, those valuations look a lot more sustainable based on the new business coming in. So while the first quarter there was, if, if not panic, there was doubt creeped in. This was a much more reassuring period, I think. And, and, and the outlooks and the guidance, especially that, that, you know, we're not necessarily just going to fall off a cliff here. Right. And <clears throat> a couple of things that we talked about, you know, earlier, you know, uh, a lot of classified uh, flowing through um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, some some attempts to kind of reduce some of that deferred maintenance in IT. And so hopefully that'll or not just hopefully that will almost certainly provide quite a bit for the for the next year or two, and hopefully a little bit more beyond that as you know um, as the government up uh, you know upgrades their various systems. Right, right. And just to put the, all these numbers in context, the current year budget is about seven hundred billion dollars. It's the largest in history. Uh, that's the Pentagon budget, and of course inflation comes into that. But it's a ninety four billion dollar jump from a year prior. Uh, that's 15%. Uh, you have to go back to the 2002 budget after 9-11 to see a jump that size. Uh, obviously, not all of that goes to the companies. There's a lot of that is is military personnel. There's other non-procurement things. But uh, they're going to get a big piece of this. And so that, 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 was, that was the reason for the optimism starting in 2016. And now we're finally seeing it start to trickle into the uh, top line and hopefully eventually the bottom line. And so that that is the bull case for the industry. And it's it's proving itself out, even if it is taking a while. <laughs> right. Um, I, I, I think this is something I've seen uh, in healthcare. It's something I've seen in financials. And it's interesting to see it here in energy and industrials as well, that there is just this tendency for folks to sort of make predictions um, oh, so and so won the presidential election. So and so was appointed the head of the FDA. So and so, you know, just got elected to Congress. Okay, here's what's probably going to happen. And so these these 
stocks will kind of immediately react in that way, even though what actually happens might take a year or even two. There's just so much sort of forward thinking um, going on in the market once sort of decisions have been made that they sort of expect, like you know, for example, bank deregulation, or in this case, sure. you know, increased Pentagon spending. Um, sure. That sure. Uh, that there's just that that sort of expectation gets built in for so long, and then when it finally happens, it's sort of like, okay, well, we knew that. What are you What are you going to do for us now? Mm-hmm. And that's a great way to point out too, just as a word of caution, uh, who knows how the midterm elections will go, but we do have an election in the U.S. in a couple months. I wouldn't be surprised if we go back to a divided government that there will be a negative reaction in the just out of fear. That budget deal was a two-year deal. We could go back to sequestration in 2020. I don't think that's likely, and I think these companies will be fine either way because there's just so much work to be done. But at to your point, it, uh, just investors in these companies need to be aware that there could be an oversized reaction depending on how the election goes in November. Yeah, and oversized reactions, of course, sometimes create awesome buying opportunities. So, absolutely. So that then begs the question: What's your favorite of these four coming out of earnings, and just thinking about kind of what the next couple of years look like? Sure, sure. Well, I've been beating the drum on General Dynamics for a while now, and I'll tell you, Lockheed, who I wasn't that high on, Lockheed has really, really got me pondering this, but I, I'm sticking with General Dynamics just because of the Gulfstream business. They they are not underpriced. They traded 20 times trailing earnings or so, which is uh, over, over the last 10 years. That's that's much higher than it has been. That's nearly half of the, the premium given to Lockheed, though. It's a, there, it's a 15% discount or so to Raytheon and Northrop. Uh, that isn't because of the defense business. The defense business they have is very strong. That is purely the Gulfstream penalty box. If Gulfstream gets back to normal or gets back to the pre-2008 levels, that discount should fade. And I believe it will fade because, as I said, there's there's nothing else wrong with this business. So I think in, in, in an industry where everybody's basically competing for the whole bit, same business. They're, they got the same customer and the customer kind of wants to make sure none of them get hit too hard. It, it's hard to pick out performers. The opportunity as Gulfstream heals itself in general dynamics, I think is the best single idea among these companies as far as a way to outperform their peers. So I'll stick with them. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I will say that when I um, when I see uh, companies that that do fundamentally the same thing, what I'm usually looking for is some kind of advantage, some kind of difference. When I'm mm-hmm. thinking about an investment, um, you know, going back to the to the big banks, you know, if Goldman is doing something different um, from Bank of America and J.P. Morgan and 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 you know the and Citigroup, then that's interesting, right? And that's when I start right. sort of right. paying attention to what Goldman's doing. And in the same way, you know, the fact that that um, uh, General Dynamics has something different about it. You know, could be a negative, could be a positive, but ultimately does um, indicate some potential for difference. Now, yeah. the the key yeah. question for investors is going to be, what do you think happens to business jets, and um, do they continue to stay on top of that with Gulfstream? And it's a strong brand, so I think there's every reason to think that should business jet um, spending. Uh, return to pre-recession levels, that there's some opportunity there. But really, as per usual, future impossible to predict, but it's a fun exercise for us anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. No, I I think there's a decent chance they at least get their fair share. They're going to be about a quarter or two ahead of Textron, which has Cessna and Beechcraft. So if there is demand, uh, 
General Dynamics will have the freshest products out there. And um, I, I, I do believe it's going to work out for them. Cool. All right. Well, we will uh, we'll we'll check back in on that story in the future for sure. So, folks, that's it for this week's Energy Industrial Show. Questions or comments? You can always reach us at industryfocus@fool.com. As always, people in the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is produced by Austin Morgan for Lou Whiteman. I'm Michael Douglas. Thanks for listening, and Fool on. Mm-hmm.